Writing your oncology case report is a huge undertaking, and it's easy to make silly mistakes that can derail your entire writing process. That's why you need my brand new masterclass, the three-step framework for a finished case report. In this free masterclass, you'll learn three of the biggest mistakes to avoid when writing your case report, the secrets to actually finishing your case report, no matter the patient case you've chosen, and my proven three-step framework for starting and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at theoncopt.com slash framework. Again, that's theoncopt.com slash framework. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to the OncoPT podcast today. Today's a really special episode because it's actually been two years since I first launched the podcast back in December of 2018. And it's been quite a two years, especially this past year. And I wanted to take some time today to kind of cover some of the best lessons that I've learned as a fresh oncology physical therapist. And by fresh, I don't mean cool, not like Fresh Prince here, but fresh as in new, as in inexperienced, as in someone who's really learning how all of this goes and trying to share what I've learned with you. So thanks so much for tuning in. We've got a great episode ahead. Welcome to the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent Onco PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker. All right, so in today's episode, we're covering the top 10 things that I've learned over the past two years as an oncology physical therapist. So I started my career officially back in 2018. The podcast came shortly thereafter, and it's been quite a learning experience, which has been really good as far as growth, both professionally and personally. And it hasn't always been, you know, rainbows and and butterflies like of goodness. Um, There have been some really hard lessons that I've learned along the way. But ultimately, all of them have brought me to where I am now. And I'm sure that even reflecting on your own experience, you know, physical therapy wise, not just oncology, some of you can definitely um, relate to that. So I'm going over the 10 things that I've learned as a fresh Onco PT in trying to navigate all of this and what I've kind of taken away from these lessons. So number one, which I think is, well, all of these are important, but this is a really big one, especially when we're first starting out. Lesson number one, you won't know everything. And boy, is that the truth. So I had a really awesome oncology clinical rotation right before I graduated, right before I started practicing. And I really came into my job, which was at a different place, feeling really confident, like I knew what I was, you know, what I was getting myself into. I knew what to expect and everything was going to be just fine. My first day on the job, I almost cried during my very first evaluation. No joke. Um, So it was a really hard emotionally evaluation. Um, My particular patient was really struggling with her diagnosis, was having a lot of side effects, and it was really, really tough. And I came home and (laughs) I was telling my fiance and my sister, so my now husband, then fiance at the time, like, oh my gosh, I don't think I did very well. I almost cried. And I just, I told her, it's okay, this is a safe place to share. And my sister turns to me, which my sister, if you know, has been on the podcast. um, And I'm sure you can imagine, she said, you were telling yourself that when you said, don't cry. And I was like, well, maybe. So 
you're not going to know everything. Even with all the preparation that I had done, that others had prepared me for, that I thought I was ready for, there was still no way for me to go in because I honestly think I hadn't had one of those really emotional experiences yet in my clinical rotation. And that was the first of many. Uh, If you've spent any time in the oncology world, you know that sometimes emotions can really run high. Um, And that's at both ends of the spectrum, right? And so it's okay not to know every single thing. You know, maybe that's what exactly to do in an evaluation, how you should go about treating this patient's condition, how to kind of comprehend all of the stuff that's going around you. There's no way for us to know everything right away when we start and even after we've been practicing. I mean, we still have so much to learn and that's why we continue to go to continuing education and, you know, seek to learn from other providers and the learning isn't done and that's a point that we'll get to later in this episode, but you won't know everything when you start and that shouldn't be a barrier to you going out there and actually helping people because there's people out there with cancer right now, whether they have had it for a while, whether it's a long ago diagnosis or whether it's something that's really new, you have the capacity and the energy to help them and that's what they need exactly right now. Along with that, lesson number two is you don't have to know the answer all the time. You may not have an answer all the time. And I don't just mean that in the sense of, you know, knowing exactly, okay, what is the specific side effect of this chemotherapy that could be causing this side effect? Yes, you know, that's an aspect of it. But what I really mean is it's okay not to have an answer for the patient in front of you right now. Maybe that means that you go out and you find it. You do some research later and you come back and you have a conversation with that patient about, okay, this is what's going on. You know, this is something that I found. And patients really appreciate that. When you take the time and say, you know what, I don't know exactly right now, but I'm going to go and find that answer for you. And you come back and you have a conversation. I feel like that really deepens the patient relationship. So, You know, that's specific to kind of physical therapy content that we're talking about here. But I think one of the big things that I had to learn is that for patients who are, again, cancer is a really um, emotional experience for a lot of our patients and people experience those emotions differently. You know, it really depends on what kind of a diagnosis they're facing, prognosis, and then all these other factors that are in their life. But what I'm getting at is, I had a conversation with a patient probably sometime middle of last year who had been diagnosed with, she was right on the cusp of stage three, stage four, so like stage three C, stage four breast cancer. And she was a young mom. It was extremely hard. It was, it was frustrating. It, it was maddening. It was very sad. And she was experiencing all of these things. And, you know, For her, we felt like we were seeing really good things happen, like good prognosis. She was responding to treatment, and then she wasn't. And then there were new lesions that were popping up. And she came to me, and, you know, I was treating her for whatever her impairment was. I had a plan for our treatment, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And I didn't do any of it that day. All we did is we sat, and I held her hand, and she cried. 
And she was asking me these questions about, you know, why, why did this happen? Kind of these big, you know, what's really going on questions from a almost spiritual philosophical thing. And I tried to answer them and I very quickly realized that that's not what she needed. She just needed someone to listen. She didn't need an answer to her questions. She needed someone who you know, she could cry on, that she could talk to. And sometimes that's what we serve as, as oncology physical therapists. And I really like that. I really enjoy that aspect of our care. And this is, I think that's, again, part of why I like oncology physical therapy so much is the relationship you have with your patients is unlike anything else. And I would say anywhere else in physical therapy, which I love. And so you don't always have to have an answer. You don't always have to share that answer. This is part of, I think, growing as a clinician is being able to read the room and read your patient and determine what they really need. And I don't have this right. Please don't, please don't misinterpret this as I've got it all figured out. This is something I'm still learning, but I feel like I should have implemented this earlier in my career because I know that that was not the first conversation like that that I've had. And a lot of times I try to just explain everything away and that doesn't really serve the patient in front of me. So lesson number two that I've learned is it's okay not to always have an answer for the person in front of you. Lesson number three is kind of related. So lesson number three is it's okay to grieve in your own way. With OncoPT, we know that sometimes things don't always have a happy ending. And that can be defined as, you know, various things. But a lot of times it comes down to um, patient patients passing away. And that can be a really sad and traumatizing experience for some. And everybody deals with death differently. And the most important thing that I want you to take away from this particular lesson is you have to honor that patient's memory in your own way. For some people, that means they take, you know, five minutes out of their day, you know, when they get the news, they go off and they have, you know, a little cry or, you know, they get to say a prayer or, you know, bow their heads in silence. And some people grieve other ways. But I think the worst thing that we can do to ourselves is to not grieve in some capacity, to try and just push it down, to mush it down underneath the surface And just try to power through and not ever give yourself the time to process this. Now, let me be clear. I understand right now these are wild times. And sometimes getting through the day, you have to, you know, push these feelings to push it to the back of your brain. Because otherwise you'd be so consumed with all the emotions that are going right now, going on right now. You do what you have to to get through the day. But what I would highly encourage you to do is not to bottle all of these feelings up on your own and then wait for them to explode out at someone else potentially or even at yourself. Because one, that's not honoring you, yourself, and your ability to help patients if you're always, you know, trying to deal with pushing these emotions away because these emotions are part of what make us human and part of 
how we can bring so much to the table as Onco PTs. So whatever your way is, you know, however you need to process whatever grief that is, you know, and maybe it's a patient death, but maybe it's also something else because our patients aren't just silos, you know, who only have cancer, right? They have families, they have lives, they have jobs, they have these experiences that just happen to come along with cancer. And, you know, for me, one of the big ways that I found that I can really process things well is on my drive home, I listen to podcasts a lot of times. And usually if I'm really bummed out, if I'm, you know, trying to forget this stuff, I'll usually put on one of my favorite true crime podcasts or one of my favorite business podcasts, depending on the mood that I'm in. So it doesn't have to be necessarily something super formal, but giving yourself that time to process and grieve is really important. And I think is what ultimately is going to help with the longevity of our profession. And unfortunately, burnout is something that's very real right now, um, more so than ever. And I don't want that to be a reason, this grieving process to be a reason that you choose to leave OncoPT. You know, if you decide to leave for other reasons, cool, but please don't let burnout be the reason. Um, We're going to have an episode on that later, but... Lesson three, it's okay to grieve in your own way, and you should grieve. Grieving is okay. Grieving is part of our shared human experience. And not only is it honoring your patients, but it's also honoring you when you take the time to do that. Okay, so we're going to move away from some of the heavier stuff. I wanted to get those out of the way earlier on in the episode. Lesson number four is don't take yourself so seriously. So again, we know OncoPT kind of comes with the territory. There's emotions, there's stresses, there's frustrations, there's sadness, there's heartbreak. There's all these things that go along in OncoPT. However, I have had some of the most joyous celebrations of other people in OncoPT. Maybe that means, you know, they're finally cancer-free, which is amazing. If you've never experienced that, just wait because that is one of the coolest experiences when patients come in and they get to share that they are, you know, they show no evidence of disease, you know, they've been in remission for so long. It's such a cool experience to be a part of. But we also have these other milestones, you know. We have kids who are going on, you know, kids of patients or, you know, maybe kid patients yourselves who are going on and they're graduating and they're getting married and they're having their own children and there's so much life that is going on around our patients and it is a beautiful beautiful opportunity that they sometimes share with us and we get to partake in some of this joy and celebration especially when cancer has taken so much away from some of our patients I would say all of our patients in some capacity Maybe it's not these really big moments. Maybe it's these small moments. You know, you celebrate small wins with your patients. Like, hey, I stood up from my chair by myself. I went to the bathroom, turned around, and I wasn't out of breath. That's amazing. That's so exciting. And so, yes, we are dealing with life and death sometimes for our patients. Probably every day with at least one of our patients. And that's really serious stuff. That's deep stuff. But don't get so lost in the severity of some of these issues and some of these feelings 
that you don't take the time to laugh and celebrate with your patients. And don't forget to laugh at yourself sometimes. It's okay if you make a mistake to laugh at yourself, to pick up, you know, pick up and then keep going. I can't tell you how many times that I've done stupid things because I get, you know, who knows, like super worked up or super excited. And then I'll, you know, almost fall off my rolly chair. Or I've done that multiple times, more than I care to count. You know, or to, you know, tell jokes with your patients or just, I think part of this whole experience is grieving is important, but laughing and smiling and celebrating are also equally as important. And again, the relationship that we can build with our patients in this particular setting is so beautiful. And it's, again, it's one of my absolute favorite things that's really drawn me and kept me in the onco in the onco PT world, which is really cool. Lesson number five is red flags still apply in the onco PT world. In PT school, which some of you have heard me talk about this before, in PT school, we learn all about these red flags and red flag conditions and how they warrant a referral back to the provider, you know, whoever that is. And one of the big ones that we learned time and time again is cancer. Patient gets, you know, comes in and they have some kind of malignant condition that is causing, you know, that is mimicking their musculoskeletal symptoms, you know, problems. You send them back to the referring provider. And then that was pretty much where the conversation ended, at least in my schooling. There was no discussion of what happens next. Or even when a patient already has cancer, obviously that's why they're coming into us. When a patient has cancer and they start developing new symptoms that don't seem quite right, that's a problem. And I honestly think I just didn't see that many patients in my, you know, brief three-month clinical who had these red flag conditions truly when they already had a cancer diagnosis. And of course, it wasn't until I was out on my own by myself to where I really started finding these and thought, oh crap, I really don't know what I'm doing here. So thankfully for us, there's really good resources out there. But these red flags, these warning signals that you're picking up on, they're still pertinent and they're still important and they still warrant a, you know, further investigation. So I'll give you, I'll give you two examples here. So first up, I had a patient who had metastatic breast cancer. We knew this going in. We knew that she had several lesions in her um, in her skeletal system. I'm I'm trying to remember exactly where they were at the time. Anyways, so she came into me because I had previously treated her. We discontinued care because she was going into like another phase of treatment. And she came back to me, and at the time when I discharged her previously, she was walking, she was really independent. When she came back, she was in a wheelchair. Thought, oh, oh my goodness, what just happened here? So she had had this increasing back pain. It was getting to the point where it was excruciating, and I did my evaluation and really didn't know what was going on. The radiation oncologist who had referred her to me said, you know, we've already done imaging. We're not finding anything, you know, anything extra. 
So, you know, let's just work on, I think her official referral was like gate disturbance. Well, it was way disturbed um, for reasons which I will cover now. So did my evaluation, really didn't know what was going on, you know, kind of found some musculoskeletal issues, treated her for a couple times, was not making a lick of difference. And I felt like she was even getting worse. And so I told her, I said, listen, and I told her that I said, you're not getting better I think you're getting worse. We need to get you back in. And they did some more imaging and they found that the cancer had now invaded her spine. It was compressing on her nerves, which was why she was having such horrible pain. And so then they initiated some other treatment. Um, I think some targeted radiation to her back, if I remember correctly. So anyways, there were these red flags that I was picking up on because, again, it didn't make sense musculoskeletal-wise what was going on, but I was still trying to push through thinking, no, like, you know, it's got to be something. I'm just missing something here. And in fact, no, it was indeed a red flag that I should have paid attention to, you know, probably like the week prior instead of trying to push through for two sessions to try and, you know, at least give her some relief. So red flags still count. They still apply in the OncoPT world. And so now personally, you know, again, I'm still very new in my career. I'm very, very careful with my patients. So I had a a different patient and she had some kind of gynecological cancer. And it was, I think it was probably like stage three. It was not metastatic, but it was fairly advanced. And she had a new onset of shoulder pain in the middle of our working together. And I was doing these different tests, trying to, you know, figure out what was going on. And again, like still didn't make sense. And I was like, gosh, you know, some of this kind of sounds like this, but this doesn't really fit in. And so I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I was like, I think you really need to get this image. I really, you know, really should get it imaged. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And finally, I think it was the PA or the NP came back and said, you know, it's probably not anything malignant, it's, it's probably, you know, just, you know, this, that, and the other. So we did the imaging and it turned out it was nothing. And that's awesome. And I'm so glad for that. But I'm really glad that I was also pushing and I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on. And I think because of that first patient experience I shared with you, I'm hyper vigilant about some of these things. And so I would rather be extra cautious rather than not cautious enough and end up causing problems. And again, that's something that I'm trying to balance in my own career is how do I still watch out for potential issues, but then not get too hyped up about things to where they're not actually a problem. I don't have that figured out yet. That's something that I'm still going to be figuring out as I continue my practice. All right, so lesson number six is kind of a fun one. Lesson number six is you get to pick your battles. So you get to pick the hill that you die on. We're talking figuratively here. And you get to pick the ones that you're going to let go. And I think that there are certain battles that you should always pick up your sword for. Like I will completely go to bat 100% for patience. I think that's one of my personal faults is I will stand by a patient and advocate them, advocate for them to a, 
I think a little over the top, but I really believe strongly in that because I think a lot of the patients um, that I've seen that maybe other medical providers have kind of dismissed as, it's because they didn't spend enough time with them. And I think that's, that's some logistical constraints. I'm not faulting the other providers, but I think because I get to spend so much more time with my patients, I get to hear a little more of what's going on and kind of put some puzzle pieces together. At the same time, I'm also going to call patients out if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing that I know is potentially harming them. So, for example, so two patients with lymphedema, and I'm going to juxtapose them here. I had one patient who had chronic lymphedema. She had had it for several years. Um, she was actually on her second bout of cancer. Her lymphedema was as a result of her first diagnosis. So we knew starting our treatment together that the reason it got so out of control the first time is she basically threw her hands in the air when she was diagnosed with cancer the second time, didn't wear any compression garments. Um, unfortunately that's, that's very common in what I've experienced and just kind of let it go. So by the time she came back in, it was pretty significant. We had a lot of work to do. And I told her from the very beginning, I said, we're probably not going to get it down to the level of your other arm, which she was totally on board with. She's like, yep, I know. Let's just get it down as much as possible. And then I can manage it. And she was very upfront with me. She said, I know that I would probably do better in a custom garment, but I live alone and I cannot put it on by myself. Perfect. We're going to find other options for you, and that's okay. We came together, had a really, you know, mature adult conversation about expectations on both of our sides, and we figured it out together. And I got some pushback actually from another one of her providers about that because her other provider was really pushing for the custom. And I really advocated to say, no, here's why. And I stuck to my guns. And ultimately, I think the patient did really well with the solution that we found working together. Flip that, I had another patient who came in and was unfortunately diagnosed with lymphedema also. She was a little earlier on in her disease process, but it was probably still like a solid stage two. And she came in, wanted to have her arm be completely the same size as the other one. She wasn't willing to bandage. Um, she wanted me to do all of the bandaging. She came in for, I think, two sessions, literally. We did an evaluation, and then we did a follow-up, and then I think she saw one of my colleagues for her re-eval, something like that. And this patient actually reduced fairly well in the time that we saw her. Again, it was very short. All things considered, she actually did pretty well, but she would have done really good if we had seen her more often and for longer periods of time. Unfortunately, that just wasn't going to work for a variety of reasons. A lot of it, she wasn't unfortunately willing to put in the effort to do this and to do it really well. And I could have pushed her. I could have said, you know, this is the big problem. This is why you need to get it done. But she wasn't ready for that information. And there was not really, it was not really worth my effort and my mental energy to try and convince her to do what I knew what was best. 
That wasn't the hill that I was going to die on that day. I think she comes back in some other time. She's going to be more ready for it. And that'll be okay. It's not ideal. But you have to, you know, again, meet the patients where they're at. Find out really what's the most important thing for them. And then try to work together to achieve that goal. So it's okay to pick your battles and deciding which one that you're going to, you know, really go after comes with some practice because I've definitely, you know, been a super advocate for patients and it turned out to really bite me in the butt, um, which actually leads me really well into lesson number seven. So lesson number seven is you can fire a patient. I'm giving you permission. If you needed permission, this is it. You can fire a patient, even in OncoPT. Most of my patients have been super awesome, and I have loved each and every one of them dearly. But like a parent loves their child, sometimes you have to call them out on their nonsense. And sometimes when you call them out and they don't respond, you have to elevate the situation in some capacity. So I've shared this story before. I had a patient who was referred to me and initially she was progressing really nicely. We were achieving some of those functional goals that we had set and then she kind of plateaued and then she started declining in her function despite coming to therapy very regularly and I could not put my finger on it. It didn't make sense and it wasn't until she kind of let something slip in our sessions that it was like, oh, that's what's going on here. So this patient was post-treatment. I think she was on um, some kind of hormone therapy. I can't remember which one. But anyway, so she was in kind of the maintenance phase of her uh, treatment. And she, when she was first diagnosed, like a year and a half ago, she decided to make a very drastic diet change. And she lost a ton of weight in a very short period of time. I'm talking like 80 pounds over the summer. It's huge amount of weight. So anyways, she got off that bandwagon until she started physical therapy with me again. And she decided to re-implement that diet plan and was losing weight again. And I worked with her for probably two months, which was probably two months too long on you cannot do this like you are damaging your body. I had her in with the registered dietitian. I had her medical practitioners talking to her about it. Like we were all on board to try and get this patient to implement healthier eating. What she was doing was basically depriving herself of all protein. So she wasn't just cutting out meats. She was cutting out all complementary plant proteins And so she she was in essence starving herself. And I don't know if you know this, but starving yourself is a really bad thing. And unfortunately, it can deprive our bodies of needed nutrition that we need to participate in not only physical therapy, but also just in our ADLs, truly. And so worked with her, you know, was honestly like I was weighing her. We had her in with the counselor. You know, we were doing all the things that we knew to do and it just wasn't working. She was continuing to be on this diet plan and continuing to lose weight. And functionally, she was getting worse and worse and worse. And I sat her down at her re-evaluation and I said, listen, I cannot outdo what you are doing to yourself. 
And it was a really hard conversation to have. I do not relish having those conversations with patients. And I think I've had two so far in my career. I know there will be more, but I can think of two big ones that I've had. And I'm not going to lie, they suck. And it was, I think, very frustrating for the both of us. But there's a happy ending. So this patient, you know, I discharged her. I, I fired her back in the fall. I think it was like the fall of my first year practicing, which was a really big deal. And she came back in the spring and she had put on weight and she was implementing a healthier diet plan and was looking awesome. And she did much better. She came back and we were achieving our functional goals and it was amazing. But I honestly think that unless I had fired her and had that really hard conversation and then she went, you know, this the onus is on her after that to make the changes and then came back, she did so much better. And I don't think that would have happened if we hadn't have had that conversation. So yeah, it really sucked to have at the time, but it turned out to be really, really good for the both of us, which was really good. Not all of those conversations are going to go like that, but know that sometimes it can be the best thing actually for both you and the patient. All right, so moving into point number eight, lesson number eight I've learned as a fresh PT: keep learning. I know I started the episode with this, but you do not know everything. You won't know everything when you start. I sure don't. And our profession is constantly evolving, right? We have so much that we are contributing to our body of understanding truly every single day. There's no way for you to know everything. So it's so important for us to always be seeking out new information, you know, and that's from a variety of sources. If you're listening to this, this is probably one of your sources, which is super cool. But there's so many amazing people out there who are sharing their research and their knowledge with us. You know, maybe that's on social media, sharing articles. But there's also these awesome courses and discussions and webinars that are happening in the oncology world, in the PT world, even in quarantine, even during this trash fire of a year. There has been so much learning that we have access to that we haven't had access to previously. And I think that is amazing. So always, always, always keep learning and challenge yourself to keep learning. Learn different things. You know, and maybe that's you're going to specialize in something. Maybe you're going to take the oncology board exam. Maybe you're going to branch out and do your own thing in your own special way. Whatever that is, keep learning and keep striving to contribute more to both our profession and your patients because that's ultimately how we get better, both individually, professionally, but also how we can continually serve our patients better and better every single day. Two more, guys. We are on the home stretch. So lesson number nine that I've learned is it is okay to change. As we learn, as we become more proficient in our clinical skills, we should be changing how we practiced. How I practiced as a new grad, which I'm still technically a new grad, but how I practiced when I was first starting is way different than what I do now. And I didn't, you know, undergo this complete transformation overnight. It's been more this cumulative process of learning 
both from a book, from a course standpoint, but also from a, you know, day in and day out being with these patients and figuring out what works and more importantly, what doesn't work and what I need to do to change that and make it better for my patients. You know, I think I was very black and white by the book when I first started, and I'm definitely more kind of gray in some of my practice now. Now, there are some things that I am absolutely still like, this is exactly how it is going to be done. You know, I stick to my guns because it's something I believe is really important. But part of developing as an PT is learning to decide what is really important, what do we need to stick to, and then what do we need to maybe change so that we can improve our practice to get better. And this is something that I am not going to get into in this particular podcast episode, but it's okay to change not just how you're practicing, like from a material, you know, technique styles that you're doing with these patients, but it's also okay to straight up change your practice as in where you're practicing. So I made the really tough decision earlier this year to actually leave my first job, and that was really scary. Um, I actually did it during the pandemic, which I was very, very scared by, but it ultimately ended up being the best decision that I could have made for myself. And again, I think what really empowered me to make that decision was that change is happening so rapidly all around us, especially over this last year. But more important than that, and this is lesson number 10 that I have to share with you, is that there is an amazing, awesome community of OncoPTs and OncoPT supporters out here that are cheering and encouraging you on, whether you know it or not. I have found that these people who are part of our profession and work with our patients are some of the most passionate, supportive, but also they're going to call you out on your nonsense and they're going to call you to elevate you and your practice for the good of your patients and ultimately for the good of you. And, you know, when I first made the decision to leave, again, it was really scary, but I have had such an overwhelming support of love from these people that I now call my colleagues, which is one of the coolest experiences ever. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't have reached out, you know, whether they, you know, were guests on the podcast, but I've connected with people on like Twitter and Instagram that are so cool And they're so accessible, truly. I can't tell you how many people that I've reached out to to just, you know, like comment on their their post or, you know, direct message them. And they're so responsive because they love this world just as much as you and I do. And they want to share it with as many people as possible. Because we know there are way too many people living with cancer, living after a cancer diagnosis, not just in the United States, but across the world. And unfortunately, there are not enough of us out there who are serving these patients. And so this idea of competition, I think, is really misguided. I have found so much more community, cooperation, support from people that I am so grateful for. And I cannot wait for you to share in either. So 
what I want you to do, you're so you've got two takeaways for today's episode is I want you to go out there on, you know, maybe it's social media or email, wherever. And I want you to reach out to that person that you've been thinking about in OncoPT. You know, maybe they've been posting stuff on social media, different articles. Maybe they're one of the big commenters that you see that really has a lot to share. But I want you to reach out to them. Start a conversation. Ask a question because I am going to 99.9% guarantee that they are going to reach back out and they are going to share some of their awesome wisdom and support with you because that's what we're here for. That's why we're doing this is because we are so excited about this profession and helping these patients and we need more of us out there. There's not enough. So step number one, I want you to reach out to that person and I know you're thinking of someone in your head right now. If not, hop on Twitter. It's like the best place for PT colleagues. Reach out to them, ask that question, start that conversation and see where it goes. The second call to action that I'm going to have you do today is I have started a new free Facebook group for us online. So on Facebook, it's called the PT Online Community. And what we're going to do in here is just share some of our knowledge. And I'm going to be in there. I'm going to be posting one of my goals, you know, moving through this month and then into the new year is I'm going to be going live at least once a week to talk about, you know, different things. There's going to be different discussions on topics. There's going to be others who are really passionate about this stuff. So I want you to join the group. It's free. doesn't cost you anything. You know, you can lurk in there. I know I definitely do that on Facebook groups, but you can also be really active and maybe ask some questions that maybe you were scared of, you know, a little unsure of. But I want you to know that there's a really awesome community out here for you and your patients. And we are so excited that you're here. So two calls to action, reach out to that person, start that conversation. And number two, join the free Facebook group, the OncoPT online community. I will link to it in today's show notes. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. I really appreciate your time. It's December. I'm excited and I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. For more episodes, visit theoncopt.com.